0: Welcome to the Power Trends Podcast, produced by the New York Independent System Operator, where we discuss energy planning, public policy, and other issues affecting New York's power grid. Hello, this is Kevin Lanahan, Vice President of External Affairs and Corporate Communications at the New York ISO. I'm joined by Emily Nelson, our newly installed Executive Vice President. Emily, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me here today, Kevin.
0: It's our pleasure. We're going to talk a little bit about your background, your thoughts on leadership. We'll talk a little bit about uh, storage and integrating renewable resources into the the markets. But first, can you give us a little bit of a history of your background and narrative arc on uh, your career experience?
1: Sure, so my very first job after graduating as a mechanical engineer started July 1st, 1999 in power generation. And that was a tremendous experience From the perspective of I was working with a lot of different people, doing things such as going on scaffolding within multi-story boilers to complete burner inspections and was tremendously enriching for me. What sparked my initial interest in becoming an engineer was uh, learning about renewable technologies, thinking through uh, the dynamics of how do you serve the electric needs of, of everyone but do so in a way that has less of an environmental footprint. To be in a leadership role at the NISO, while those are the issues that we are trying to tackle and and meet that challenge that's been set by state policymakers, is just tremendous fortune from my perspective because it's very much the problems that I was hoping to work on in my career.
0: I know you've been involved in a couple of the landmark milestones that we've put in place here with regard to wind dispatch, Mm -hmm. measuring solar. Can you talk a little bit about those successes?
1: When you consider how to integrate new technologies, part of what is so rewarding is the investment that we've already made that you can build upon. So looking back to the 2008-2009 timeframe, we were considering how to integrate the Increasing volume of wind resources that we were seeing come onto the system. And what was so rewarding at that time is we were able to build upon the investments that we had already made here in New York to develop a very sophisticated market platform where we could consider the wind offers that came in and consider how to best use these new resources to reliably serve New York electricity needs. And one thing I was proud of at the time is when we looked across the nation, a lot of different areas were in a study mode. Let's study how to develop wind forecasting. Let's study how to integrate them. And we pretty quickly came to the conclusion that it was more important to act quickly and integrate some of the tools that we needed into the control center while we still had fairly low levels of wind so that we could learn and improve and increase our experience before we needed to manage uh, significant volumes of wind. So we kind of just went ahead and put in the building blocks that we would need at a pretty early point in time. I think that has brought us through to some of our subsequent decisions, such as the integration of storage and distributed energy resources. I know that there's a lot of interest in doing that even more quickly. But when I look at the arc there, we're still a bit ahead of the curve of when a a lot of these technologies will come to fruition across the system.
0: Can you share some of your leadership lessons that you've learned along the way now assuming this this greater role of overseeing the IT department and market design and, and the planning operations?
1: The number one attribute that's necessary in a leader is to treat people with respect and really create a safe, collaborative environment where they're willing to share their ideas and uh, learn from one another so that you can really determine what the optimal solution and and path forward on whatever the nature of the issue that you're trying to solve is. And that includes within sort of our four walls here within the NISO, but certainly reaching that handout to our stakeholders and to policymakers to make sure that we're benefiting from that collaboration really across all of the, the people that we work with.
0: Do you um, have a particular focus on the purpose of the organization?
1: What I find very appealing about working here at the NISO uh, resonates with a lot of the employees that I've worked with through, through the years, and that's really the focus on the mission that we have. So if you peel apart our mission statement, the focus of it is maintaining reliability, in the near term and also across the planning horizon. And the aspect of that part of the mission that really appeals to me is that it's just providing a critical service for New Yorkers. It's it's important in their everyday lives. And then when you consider that the other aspect of our mission is operating fair and competitive markets, you're really pulling in the innovation side. So how can we do this better? Where do we need to evolve to? And that creates a clear focus that we need to serve New Yorkers reliably combined with uh, a recognition that things can always be done better and we need to innovate and improve.
0: You mentioned innovation and some time ago, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission called for open and equal access to the wholesale markets for battery storage technology. And we put together a response to that uh, request. And you were very involved in, in the formulation of that, went through the stakeholder process. Can you talk to us a little bit about why that proposal, which is being considered right now by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, why it's so important and how that balances the need to integrate these uh, renewable and intermittent resources into the markets but also at the same time maintaining reliability
1: when we were contemplating the integration of energy storage resources as part of FERC order 841 and uh, a correlated effort in uh, really developing our market design for distributed energy resources we approached it in such a manner that we really wanted to think through all of the aspects that these resources needed to integrate with from a market perspective to fully leverage the value that they bring and ultimately serve uh, the reliability function that we need to remain focused on. One of the grounding forces that I've always gone back to, how is this going to work when it's integrated into the operations environment? When you have the control room trying to manage the second to second needs of the power system, they have the resources that they need, they have the tools that they need in order to be able to do so. And so when you're putting together a complex market design, if you feel like ultimately that's the end state that you're working toward and what you've worked through with stakeholders, you know you have it right.
0: So what do we say to those folks that believe we're not doing enough to try and get specifically the battery storage technology into the wholesale markets? How do we respond to some of those questions? Because they've come up.
1: We understood that it was coming, and we looked at the timelines that some of the state policies were working toward, and we wanted to make sure we had a comprehensive design that was in place really in a timely manner to support those objectives. We are working toward an implementation of that uh, next year in 2020, which really still is at the leading edge of a lot of the, the battery solicitations that are out there right now. And when you think about distributed energy resources, which goes into another level of complexity, because it's combinations of technologies and thinking through to an even greater extent, contributions on the bulk power system and, and how to make that work, We are working toward an implementation of that effort by 2021. When you compare that with the state policies that are at the forefront of everyone's minds, there are specific goals to achieve for 2025, 2030, 2035, and we're still well ahead of many of those initiatives.
0: When I talk to people about what we do here and what happens in, in the control room with the operators, it's really difficult to describe what goes through their head in trying to balance the system. You have a much more personal and, and intimate view into that function. Can you describe for people what those responsibilities are in the control room that you know the operators are faced with on a daily basis?
1: It was certainly a privilege of mine to be able to work so closely with the control room team and understand the mission that they need to fulfill. And one of the things that I find amazing about that environment is you need to transition from sort of the routine where everything's going well to respond to an event on the system to consider really reams of, of data and try to, to put it together in a way that's meaningful for the operators so that they are able to make the decisions that they need to very quickly in order to, quite frankly, just keep the lights on. And when you're thinking about the future that we are now preparing for, where you're trying to transition from what's been a centralized model for quite some time and pulling in more Uh, distributed resources, more of a decentralized model, I think that we all still want to make sure that the operators have what they need to maintain bulk power system reliability. And so the job is getting more complex, and that challenge is something that I think our organization is positioned well to really step up to.
0: So with the, with the new state goals that are in statute, where we have 3,000 megawatts of uh, storage on the horizon. We have uh, 6,000 megawatts of solar on the horizon and 9,000 megawatts of offshore wind. The planning process suddenly becomes more complex in and of itself with interconnection. Thoughts on how we as, a, as an organization are going to have to adjust in the face of these new goals and the new statute that we talked about earlier?
1: It's a great opportunity. Some of this transformation is really the reason that I originally entered the power industry, because there's such a wonderful intersection in this space between engineering, the environment, politics, and serving a critical uh, public need, that it's just a fascinating industry to work in. The richest time in your career is when there's a big challenge to work through and change that needs to happen. So it's a wonderful time for for people to be part of that process.
0: And you've been instrumental in this is to form a Women in NISO network. I think it provides um, a forum for people to exchange ideas, not just women, but all employees at the NISO. Can you talk about the creation of, of that network?
1: I think the cornerstone to leadership is really the ability to foster strong teams. And what's so important in creating a healthy team dynamic is a sense of inclusion and how do you take a group of people with diverse sort of perspectives, give them a space to be comfortable. I have the, the belief that being a female in this industry was an asset for me personally. A lot of the things that come very naturally to me as far as communication, coordinating with people, working just in a collaborative manner was very much what I found was needed. So I want to make sure that as I progress in my career, I am extending that hand to create an environment which uh, fosters that degree of comfort for all employees here.
0: You know, what are some of the ideas you have for adjusting and, and adapting the culture to fit what's happening in the external environment?
1: I think when you consider the culture of an organization, you have to assess what is most motivating to employees here. It's an incredible learning culture. So people are are very much motivated by the fact that we are an independent, not-for-profit entity that is tasked with reliability and markets and planning and being an authoritative source of information, all under the category of not pursuing a profit motive, but doing what's best to fulfill that mission.
0: Well, Emily, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. I know you're busy, so we appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with us, not just about the changing industry and the challenges uh, we all face here at the NISO, but your uh, thoughts on leadership and culture. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Kevin. It's been a great opportunity to sit here and, and have this conversation.
0: Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, the New York Independent System Operator (NYISO) for short) is responsible for reliably managing New York's power grid and energy markets, and providing independent data to policymakers and the public. For more independent info, please visit the NYISO blog at www.nyiso.com/blog.